Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to three soul-soothing ways to help your clients overcome a broken heart. How to help your clients in pain beyond giving them sympathy. Now, a recent client, Samantha, came to see me, and she told me that she still loved her boyfriend very much and missed him all the time and couldn't stop thinking about what had happened. Now, Samantha actually shook with grief as she tried to tell me about the pain of her recent breakup with Paul, her love of seven years. And Paul had ended their relationship with a gut-wrenching suddenness. And she said that it was like it just ripped a band-aid off a wound that she hadn't even known she'd had. And she was really so upset during the session. And he told her bluntly, apparently, that he felt they had grown apart and that he needed, yes, you've guessed it, space to move on with his life. And I sometimes think that, you know, from the way so many people talk about space and their need for it, that the relationship world is full of thwarted astronauts. So yes, Paul had read the cliché book of breakup platitudes and hit Samantha with every one of them, it seemed. And five weeks later, when Samantha came to see me, um, she was she had dark shadows under her eyes and um, she just wanted to keep focusing on what had happened, but she didn't know how to feel better. She was also drinking herself um, to sleep every night because of what had happened. So we talk of the pain of breakup, and this word is more accurate than you might have realized. When we feel rejected from a relationship or social group, these same parts of the brain that process physical pain become active in the brain. So see reference one of my written article. So love, or at least love gone wrong, really does hurt. So I sympathized with Samantha, of course, but could I really help her? And I didn't make the pain go away all at once, of course. But here's three things I did do that set her on her way. And you can do them too to help those in need of romantic recovery who come along for help. So number one, don't pretend they don't hurt. If you've just stubbed your toe forcefully against the corner of a fireplace, you won't, you won't take too kindly to being told that the um, shrill scream of anguish coming from your toe isn't real because you know that it is more real than anything else. So we don't tell someone their agony isn't real or try to minimize it by the way we talk about it, but nor do we drip feed them meaningless um, mumbles like, you know, I know just how you feel or even worse, keep on asking them how they feel because, well, it's pretty obvious how they feel. On the other hand, if you actually do know to some extent how they might be feeling from personal experience. You might like to talk a little bit about that as long as your self-disclosure has a happy ending. Research has found that therapists who do a little self-disclosure actually build more rapport with their clients. So this reminds me of tip number two. Once you've really heard them, tell them a story. When someone is in that kind of emotional pain, there's nothing worse than jumping in too soon trying to make it all right. So listen, sympathize, be calming by your very presence. Give them time to really absorb the fact that you've fully taken in what they've told you. Then respectfully tell them an anecdote or story that matches theirs to some extent 
but leads someplace better. For example, you might say something like, you know, I can hardly imagine how you must be feeling right now, as if Paul was the only possible right person for you in the world. And years ago, a woman came to see me who'd been through something rather similar to you. And all she could do at the time was cry and cry and cry. The man that she thought of as her uh, soulmate and her love of her life had up and left unexpectedly, and she felt she'd never get over it. And that's the thing about pain, like the sun coming out after days of non-stop rain. And she was quite surprised to notice, bit by bit, after a while, that what felt immediate started to feel past, that she'd stopped looking back through those rose-tinted glasses. She started to be able to see that if he really had felt the relationship wasn't right for him, then in reality it wasn't right for her either. And quite slowly, but quicker than you might have expected, she began, like a seed starting to germinate and grow and bud and blossom after the seemingly eternal frozen winter, to come back to life again. And she started to see her friends again and to look on her relationship with a man she'd once loved as only one part of what her life had been, not the whole of her life. Now, I don't want to talk too much about how she met her new love and how happy they are now, because it's way too soon to even think about that. But of course, me saying that means that I have actually mentioned the idea anyway. Then you can change the subject. So after you've told a little anecdote like that, you can change the subject. So why do you change the subject? Because an abrupt change of subject that takes her attention to something else altogether can help her conscious mind leave the pattern of what you've described alone while her subconscious mind assimilates the pattern as a blueprint for her own future. And of course, if you know how to heal with hypnosis in psychotherapy, then use hypnosis to calm her or him right down so that you can help them rehearse healthy behaviors and new patterns in the future. We all talk about the need to move on, but few talk about what that actually means and how to help people do that. When people move on, it essentially means that their brain has been able to process an event and mark it as past and specific rather than present and global everywhere. When you feel that something is a past part of your life rather than current and all enveloping, it's much easier to move on from, allowing you to live your life fully. Which leads us nicely to tip number three. So tip three is talk about the relationship in terms of what they've learned from it. Someone is traumatized when their brain is processing some past event or series of events as still present and not past. So they know intellectually it was in the past, but it feels like it's happening again all the time. And this means they still feel threatened in the here and now by what is really over and done with. And this happens because the memory of the event or events effectively gets stuck uh, between a part of the brain called the amygdala, the part of the brain that triggers fight or flight, and the hippocampus, the part of the brain that processes short-term memories. 
When memories don't fade, it can be because of this traumatizing effect. Breakups can be very traumatic. Samantha had frequent and intrusive, almost flashback memories to the actual time Paul had ended their relationship and was constantly reliving it as though it were happening right now over and over again. So I helped her process this memory through the rewind technique so that these intrusive thoughts could stop and finally feel past and no longer current. So they began to fade like normal memories, not feel immediate or as though it happened yesterday or something. So then we talked about meaning. Now, it's easy to feel that a painful traumatic event is meaningless. And I'm not suggesting that every trauma anyone ever suffers is always rich with uh, potential wise learnings. But when you help someone focus on uh, what they've learned from a breakup, you can help them move on from it more easily. And this is because you're, you're framing it as something that in itself is past, but the learning they've gained from that past event is, by implication, all to do with helping them heal in a happier future. So when Samantha was ready, she told me that um, what she'd learned was that it was important to respect herself within a relationship and how in the future, her words, which I, I was very happy to hear, when I'm with someone at that point, I got even happier, I won't just be thinking about what they need and want. It'll be more about what we need as a couple, not just what they need. She was calm enough now to talk about the relationship as something that was truly past. She told me how she felt her anxiety at the way she, he treated her so thoughtlessly had made her more clingy and um, hence the need for him to sort of blast off into outer space as it were, you know, so we drive people away when we become too clingy in that, in that sense. And of course, we work together in other ways too. I encouraged her to continue seeing friends in order to um, stay engaged with her wider life as much as possible and to sleep without having recourse to oceans of alcohol every, every night. So she started to feel healthier as well. And it wasn't as long as you might have expected before she was really feeling that what had once seemed like everything had indeed been a very important something, but it wasn't everything. And there was more to her life in the future. So I hope you found that useful. And I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. And if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's unk.com slash blog. Mm -hmm.